So Rhonda, thank you so much for coming in today. Really appreciate your time. Uh, tell us when you got to Kelowna and why you chose the city of Kelowna. Well, we arrived here in May of 2013. And we moved here from Saskatchewan uh, because of winter. We had come to Big White to ski the previous Christmas, and we just loved it. In fact, the condo we rented, we could have lived in permanently. We just loved it. And the winter in Saskatchewan was particularly harsh that year. We traveled in from a beautiful community just outside, but it was about a 40-minute drive for me. And uh, we both were independent drivers, and all the roads were so bad that my husband suggested moving to Kelowna. And I, at that time, had wished I'd paid more attention to Kelowna, because I was very fixated on Big White. So we absolutely love it here. This wow. is our sixth spring, and uh, we just think we're so fortunate. Did you know anything about Kelowna before you came, and what surprised you the most? I didn't know a lot. I think my husband had a much better idea. Uh, I was very much a learner, uh, coming that when we bought our home in uh, March, and what surprised me was the absolutely stunning beauty of the lake, the vineyards, uh, the restaurants that were so attuned to gluten-free because I'm celiac, uh, the incredible outdoor facilities, the things that you could do outside. Uh, we were much more limited in Saskatchewan just by virtue of the temperatures in the winter. You could still skate and snowmobile and stuff like that, but if you wanted to do more recreational things that we were hoping for, it tended to be more of a summertime thing. The uh, the friendliness of the people, too, is really quite impressive because I, I was a little nervous about moving to a place that I didn't really know anyone. Very nice. So you do very important work with the Start Right Children's Development Center, and you've been doing this since November 2013. Tell us about that. How did you get involved with the uh, Start Right? Well, when we moved here, we spent a great deal of time on our home. So I had uh, started to look for a position where there was a way of uh, making a difference, basically. I am uh, uh, from, I had taught at the University of Regina, and I had been uh, in a contract position with a closed custody facility as director of education, and I'd worked for the Ministry of Education. And so in each of those capacities, I always had the feeling that I was contributing. I was doing something that was bigger. So I really started to look basically um, in September, I think it was very early September, I was done painting baseboards by then, mm. and this position was listed. And I thought, oh, I have worked side by side with not-for-profits in my previous positions, but I've, I've never been part of one mm. before. So I looked it over and I thought, oh, I'm going to apply. And so I did. So tell us about Start Right. What does it do? What is its mission? Oh, Start Right's an amazing agency. This agency was started in 1966. So unless, well, maybe I'll start with. What we do is provide early intervention services 
for babies, toddlers, and preschool children who are at risk for or they have a developmental challenge. Mm. So the parents that bring their babies or toddlers to us, they come with hope mm. that there are therapies and programs that will help their child. So we have like 78, as of right now, 78 employees we're large, but we're very diverse. We have occupational therapists, speech and language pathologists, uh, physiotherapists. We have an autism program, and we have uh, infant development, which works with those new moms and dads. And we also have a supported child development program, which extends out into the community. So it, and we also have clinical counseling. I can't forget that for the the um, parents, the families, the caregivers, and the children that we have, in case they need support. So it's a remarkable agency that was started way back in 1966 by the first pediatrician who was ever in the Central Okanagan, mm-hmm. Dr. Cliff Henderson, and he and parents of children with cerebral palsy sat around a kitchen table and talked about how they could provide a higher level of service for the needs of their children here rather than having to drive to Vancouver. So they formed that very original uh, agency, a charity and a not-for-profit. And over the years, it's it's had different names. Previous to me uh, starting, it was the Central Okanagan Child Development Center. Mm-hmm. Association, but now it's Starbright Children's Development Center. So I have two daughters, seven and 13, and uh, for a lot of that period, I was a single dad, and they're beautiful, they're wonderful, they're normal, they're getting good grades in school. But I'm wondering is it obvious if an infant has special needs or has some kind of a developmental issue? Is it obvious? Sometimes it is. It depends on what the issue is. Sometimes uh, in the maternity ward, the doctors or the will already inform the parents that there's a, a challenge that this wee babe will experience. Other times, it takes a couple of years or even several years. For speech and language, for example, it may be not until the child has not really started to develop speech at the normal or what we would consider regular milestones, that that would be uh, an issue that they'd be referred for. With uh, physiotherapy, sometimes the mobility doesn't develop or there's uh, difficulties with muscular control, and that would be more noticeable as the child develops a little bit. So it does vary quite a bit. So you have some statistics. Tell us like how many children you're helping to take care of and how many children uh, would you say at risk or in need of services? Like how do you term that? Well, referrals to our agency come from a variety of sources. So it can be public health nurses, it can be moms and dads, grandparents, caregivers, it can be the community daycare or preschool. It also could be the maternity ward. Um, There's a whole host. Anyone can refer. Now, uh, with the the wee babes that come in, as of June the 1st of this year, we had 850 active clients. But over the course of the year, 
Some clients will be discharged because they're going into school. Uh, some children will be uh, put on a monitoring basis. So the numbers will vary. Usually over a course of any one year, we will see, because we'll pick up other clients during the year, we'll see uh, probably 13, somewhere in the 1300 mark of these wee little children. Wow. Last year, uh, uh, pardon me, this year we had 968. Last year we had 850. So our numbers are increasing as per the more, I guess, more people moving into the central Okanagan that have children that might require our services, or there's just more children being diagnosed at potentially um, an earlier age, because the big time to make a big difference is in those preschool years. Is it government funded? Does, is it covered by BC Health Insurance, or do parents have to pay out of pocket for some of these services? Well, all of our services are free to parents, with the exception of our autism program. I'll, I'll explain that. But uh, the ministry, uh, we're so grateful to the ministry, we have a contract with them around early intervention. So all of the departments I talked about, with the exception of the autism uh, area, are covered through that contract. What they do is they provide the dollars for the wages of the people we hire all those wonderful, committed professionals. With the autism program, the government does provide families with a certain amount of money when their child receives a diagnosis of autism. Families then can authorize the ministry to, to basically pay our autism program for the services the child receives. But families also, in some cases, can access their private health care for additional um, uh, services within that, or they can pay out of pocket for additional as well. Because there's a limited, not limited, but there's a certain amount that families would get, it would depend how many sessions that that would pay for. Would you say autism is one of the biggest challenges that children are facing among your clients? Well, we're certainly finding, uh, just generally in the literature, that more children are being diagnosed. But there's such a variety of challenges with the children who are referred for our services that certainly autism is, um, is something that families do need and do seek support for. But there are such a host of others that it would be really difficult to put one above the other. Can you tell us a little bit more about autism? I think um, a lot of people don't really know what it is, especially if they don't have a family member that has that condition. Could you give us an overview of what autism is and what kind of challenges children face? Well, autism is a, a diagnosis on the autism spectrum. Like if a child has been diagnosed somewhere along that spectrum... The level and degree of the challenges they will face will also vary with the children because uh, not all children with autism uh, have the same kind of uh, challenges or maybe see things in quite the same way. Uh, sometimes children will have difficulty communicating uh, and may not be verbal or may be verbal but will repeat the words that they hear. Uh, other times they may have sensory difficulties. They just 
wouldn't be able to eat certain foods or the touch or feel of certain fabrics or um, surfaces uh, may be very bothersome. Some have difficulty with social skills of relating to their peers or, or even some have physical challenges as well, like balance or being able to coordinate their movements. So our program uh, works uh, with uh, applied behavior analysis, which is uh, uh, very structured and looks at each child's strengths and then the areas that need to be developed, and it's individually designed for each child. Mm. The advantage is having those children uh, within the R Center, and they can are sometimes, because of all the other related needs, referred internally for occupational therapy or speech therapy or physiotherapy. And we have those wonderful professionals in-house. Luke Mankus is a realtor with Remax Kelowna. He loves what he does. We asked Luke if he had any regrets about moving here in 2011. And he always says, yeah, one regret. And that is, he didn't move here sooner. When Luke came here, he didn't know anyone. He didn't know the neighborhoods or anything or anyone besides his daughter, who was six years old at the time. So he knows what it's like. Now, he's an expert and has helped well over 100 single people, couples, families, and investors with their real estate needs in the Okanagan. If you're new to our beautiful city, Luke can help you get connected with great lawyers, dentists, carpenters, landscapers, swimming pool installers, you name it. And whether you're new to Kelowna or not, Luke knows real estate. He can help you find a great property, negotiate a good deal, and hold your hand all the way through the process until the day you get your shiny new set of keys. Luke is known as a no-pressure kind of guy. He's had clients where it took even a year or more to get them into a property. He just doesn't believe in rushing things. On the other hand, when you decide it's time to act, he's diligent, and he'll work day and night until the job is done. Give Luke Make Us a call or a text message at any time, 778-215-4273. Again, that's 778-215-4273, 778-215-4273 to chat with Luke about real estate. So a client comes to your place, uh, gets a referral, comes to your place, and then has uh, analysis done. Now, uh, a treatment program would be recommended, an ongoing treatment program, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, and what does a typical treatment program look like? Does the child come, you know, two, three times a week for, for certain types of therapy, or what does a typical treatment look like? Well, again, I, I don't mean to be difficult, but there really <laughs> isn't a typical right. type. When a referral comes in, uh, depending on the nature of that referral, it will be given to a multidisciplinary team. So there's an occupational therapist, a speech and language pathologist, a physiotherapist, an infant development consultant, and a supported child development consultant on that team. Then they'll look at the needs of the child and as a team look at what has been listed as primary concerns and then one of those team members will make contact with the parents. Go out, find out more about the family because for us the family is critical. It's what the family sees as priorities. 
um, while the family, the child may have several different areas where um, needs would be identified, the family might be primarily concerned with one, and that will be all found out at that time. Then uh, that child, when there's service time available, because there there is potential. There would be waiting time. Right. When a clinician or a program consultant is able to take that child on, they will then make contact again with that parent, and it'll start from there. So each of the disciplines has a slightly different process, mm -hmm. but each family has a team that has input. And we are finding it's a uh, in that multidisciplinary effort, we're finding that families uh, are most definitely being uh, heard in what their concerns are and being able to have input, a great deal of input into what their priorities are. So you deal with children. Is there a time when a child would sort of graduate from the program or do they get referred to a youth uh, center? Because I know some humans, some of us have challenges that last a lifetime. So what happens when the person is no longer a child? <laughs> <laughs> That's such a good question. Well, with our um, departments, once they leave us and graduate, they go to the school district. And the school district has its own cadre of talented professionals who then take over. We have kindergarten transition meetings with the school district. They are so facilitative of those where we share information if the school district has needs to know more about the child. The exception to school age eligibility is when um, parents are within our supported child development program. In the community, that's supporting children out in the community. And with that, we have children up to 12 years of age. Uh, our, our emphasis is early intervention, but sometimes those children may certainly receive uh, some after-school care. Our autism program also has an after-school program component as well. The number of spots within that is limited by our funding, of course, just like with any other program. But for the rest, it all, once they move on to the school division, or the, pardon me, that's division in Saskatchewan, school district here, then that is who takes over. Is there anything about your job that you find challenging or frustrating? Well, challenging, uh, every day is a different day. That's one of the things I love about it. And there are multiple challenges. I think the, the biggest challenge for an agency that's a charity and a not-for-profit who has um, a very set amount of dollars for salaries, um, when you see the need increasing and you desperately want to be able to meet that need. Right. We have had the fortunate experience of having more staff added in the last year. Our, our MCFD regional office has given us wonderful news, uh, but there's always a need, and the numbers just do keep increasing. It's also critical, too, for us as a charity to be able to provide the therapeutic supplies. There's so many... Um, wonderful technologies that are very enabling for children, even we folk that aren't in school yet. Mm -hmm. They're expensive, too. 
And the amount of monies we get doesn't allow for that. So we rely heavily on donors. And it's when you know that need is out there and it's finding those incredible human beings in the community that are willing to share their resources with us. So as members of the public, we can uh, help you to increase awareness of what you do. We could also uh, lobby our local politicians to make sure you've got all the funding that you need. Um, is there anything else we could do to help you? Is there any volunteer opportunities for, for the public? Now, volunteers in our agency are so difficult. We don't have volunteers, and that doesn't sound very good, but because such specialized type of uh, therapeutic support is needed, uh, a general person would not be able to, to do that. Uh, that's one reason. Another reason is uh, we are part, uh, our staff are part of the HSA union environment. And of course, we have to respect the collective agreement and not have people who may have the credentials fulfill a role that could be done by a member of that particular collective agreement. So there's a couple reasons we don't have volunteers. Having said that, though, we have volunteers that do other things for us. Like we just had uh, TD Bank, uh, the uh, Dilworth branch, came along in June. And they put together two sheds for us because we can't do that kind of thing ourselves. And so we do have volunteer opportunities, but it's more about things like that, mm -hmm. that we can use people's support, not working directly with the children. Right. And uh, it's obvious that you love what you do. You're very passionate about it. Tell us what you love most about it. What gets you up every morning? I think uh, it is the vision that happens every day where parents come in with their wee ones and they sit in the reception area. Because my office, I have a direct eyesight vision into the reception area. And a therapist comes through the little gate that we have. It's a swinging gate. And the wee one will look up and squeal with excitement and want to move as quickly as possible to that particular therapist. The children are excited to see these amazing human beings and to see the change and the parents happy. When the parents come in, sometimes they're quite nervous. They don't know what to expect and they so badly are hoping for, uh, you know, substantial support. And to see that evolve over time, it's, it's quite magical. So if a parent thinks that their child may have some needs, uh, is there a way to contact you or a website? What is the best thing for a parent to do if they're wondering if their child should be potentially a client of yours? For a parent, we, we take, of course, referrals from uh, physicians or from pediatricians, but a parent can go right on our website and refer the child themselves. We have forms right there, and they can fill them out, and it's a secure um, uh what would you say, transmission, secure transmission right. to us directly. It comes off and we take it from there. So parents are using that. We've got the referral forms for physicians there, for public health nurses. Parents would see all the different forms. They would just choose the one for family members. Rhonda, last question. I would like you to nominate someone in the city of Kelowna or two people um, that you find to be a fascinating person and can be from any field, any walk of life, but that you would find interesting to listen to 
on this show in the future. Well, I would like to nominate Pam Wetterstrand. She is with Okanagan College. She is part of the cadre of of amazing human beings there who are preparing people to be part of the human service sector like we're part of. The individuals that come out of the college, those might be uh, an SCD assistant for us down the road. And the neat part about Pam is she used to work for us in the past. Thank you very much. And Rhonda, thank you for your time today. I've really enjoyed talking to you and getting to know you a little better and uh, learning about Startbrite as well. Oh, thank you so much for the time. I so appreciate it.